Welcome to the Get Out and Try podcast. I'm your host, Katie Axel. This episode is brought to you by Valley Agencies. As a local, full-service insurance agency in the St. Croix Valley, Valley Agencies is committed to helping you protect what matters most. Whether you're looking for personal, commercial, health, or life insurance, their team of professionals has you covered. Contact Valley Agencies today to help you achieve more together. Valley Agencies has been serving the St. Croix Valley and surrounding areas since 1914. Conveniently located in Stillwater, Minnesota and Hudson, Wisconsin, visit them at valleyagencies.com. Sustainability is something that we hear about quite often these days, and Sustainable Stillwater is an organization that's leading the conversation. In this episode, I talk with Wendy and Kelsey from Sustainable Stillwater, and we learn how the organization got started, what kind of projects they're working on, and how you can get involved. Check it out. Today, we're going to talk about Sustainable Stillwater as well as the Green Business Directory, but kind of split them into two. And I would love for you to just give an overview of what Sustainable Stillwater is. Sustainable Stillwater is a 501c3 nonprofit. We have been around for about, oh, five or six years, but, but incorporated about three years ago. And we're about to go uh, have a celebration with our third birthday party. It started as a group of students getting together with their um, mentors. And trying to do something about waste in downtown Stillwater. And since then, it has expanded now to a whole variety of causes, including making Stillwater more bike-friendly, removing invasive plants, maintaining rain gardens, picking up cigarette butts downtown. We have come and gone with other projects that actually were accomplished. So therefore, you don't have to continue them. For instance, we got uh, North Main Street downtown to stop uh, speeders. The police worked with us on that. And other projects that come and go depending on what what the necessity is. So it's it's a multi-purpose environmental organization, for sure. I want to go back to the beginning where you said it was started by students and mentors. When you say students, do you mean Stillwater High School students? Yes. And was that a, a project that they had as part of an assignment, or was it something that they took the initiative on? I do believe it was part of their environmental club. It was just um, a bunch of high school students with a passion for greener community. And they took it to, you know, community wide and they had they hosted a, a forum, I do believe, and invited people from the public to go to the forum and see what they could do together to create a more sustainable, greener living spot. Do you know what their first project was? I think it was seed. It had to do with downtown business waste management. So, so how did you get involved with the organization, Kelsey? I found them on Facebook in 2018 and I was like, I'm really interested in seeing what they're doing. And so I went to one of their meetings. They're one of their board meetings and they're like, do you want to be on the board? And I was like, oh, there's open position. Sure. And I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into. Mm -hmm. But since then, I've it's been all what I've been doing. It's I went full in and jumped straight into the pond. Did you go to school for environmentalism? 
my undergrad is in environmental science and digital media. And then mm-hmm. my master's degree is in environmental education and natural resources from Pamela University. And so I kind of combined communications and environmental education into one. And so Sustainable Stillwater had this opening where they needed someone to help with their website and their social media and their communications. And so I filled that void when I was brought on to the board. Yeah. Well, that's a huge void to fill because that's a very specialized uh, expertise level that you have because usually the digital marketing person doesn't have the actual product knowledge or, or you know, service area. But you're like the gold star that they found that has the environmental background and digital. It's really interesting because when I went to school, when I started going to school, everyone told me, why are you doing those two majors? Because I, you know, digital media and environmental science they're like those two don't mash at all you're not going to be able to do anything you're never going to get a job anywhere you're never going to do anything with those two majors put together and I'm just like but I like those things you know I grew up doing videos with my sisters all the time and I loved communication and I loved doing videos and social stuff and communications but I really had a passion for environmentalism I grew up in a very small town in Iowa. And when I said I was going to do environmental education, they're like, oh, so you're going to go be a nudist? (laughs) I'm like, no. Well, a naturalist is not a nudist. (laughs) Not always, at least. (laughs) What small town um, America thought. (laughs) I was going to go. That's what my passion was. Oh, Oh my God. No, it's not nudist. Nudism. (laughs) That's funny. In, in in nature. So you, you've always been passionate about this, and you said you found Sustainable Stillwater on Facebook. And w- do you remember what it was that they were doing at that time that you saw that drew you in? I really didn't see any of the projects that they were doing. I was more or less just interested in, like, I saw, like, Sustainable Stillwater was looking for, um, I think it was just looking for people to be a part of their group. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, what is this? And at the time, I was trying to start my own kind of like business, but not really. It was called Cut Fluff. Mm -hmm. It was all about clean, sustainable living. So I was doing videos and had a website and on my own trying to help people, like educate people on sustainable living, like getting their personal daily life, like what you can do. Mm -hmm. So I found Sustainable Stillwater and they were trying to do it at a bigger scale. And I was like, oh, maybe I can be a part of this as a volunteer to learn and grow mm-hmm. and just make some connections. Yeah. So that's how I got started. What was the first project that you were involved with? I think maybe ba- uh, Bike to School Day. Okay. In, in May. So so I started in October of 2018. And during the winter, we didn't really do a whole lot of projects during mm-hmm. the winter of 2018 to 2019. Mm-hmm. But come the spring in 2019, I helped with back to school day. And that was not kind of just drew, drew me in, but it was more the communications part of it. So I've been a part of projects, but I've never really been a part of a work group. Okay. <laughs> Unlike every other member, they're all leading work groups or they're uh, majorly a part of the work group. I've never yeah. been, I don't know. I don't think I've actually been a part of a work group until the great business directory. Okay. And we'll get into that in just a bit. 
when you say work groups, what does that mean for someone that isn't really familiar with how the organization is set up? I would say work groups are how we get our projects done. Okay. Uh, there's initiatives that come up. Either we're creating the initiative or we're supporting a local initiative. And then a, a group of people have to take on the initiative to achieve it, to make mm -hmm. it successful. And so to do that, work groups were created. So the first work group, I do believe, was the Natural Resource Work Group, which is our biggest work group right now. And they have like 10 different initiatives that they're trying to work on right now, mm -hmm. which is a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then the Active Transportation, which the Bike to School Day for Kids falls underneath that work group. Mm -hmm. So there's work groups that take on the initiatives and the initiatives are our projects and programs. Got so, it. So the one that you mentioned that was your biggest one, the natural resources, what are some of the things that they're working on right now? Um, adopt a drain, adopt a rain garden, bluebird recovery, invasive species removal at, at Lily Lake. Let's dig into a couple of them just so the listener can understand what that means and, and how they might be able to get involved. So you've got these work groups that are led by individuals that are that come together and decide that adopt a drain is something we should put forward into the community because the drains are getting clogged, I'm assuming. This is a storm drain situation Okay, where, where you have drains that empty into the rivers and... Mm -hmm. You want to keep them clean of a lot of debris. So that's what the adopting the star green is. And also to label it, our teams will go to locations and actually stencil with spray paint, mm -hmm. empties to the river, not for debris. The stenciling the storm drains, if you just ask us, we could actually get that to your drain as well. So if you have a drain near your home and you want it to say, <laughs> drains to the river, just let us know and we can come out and stencil your drain too, or you can stencil, we can give it to you and you can stencil it. And then you can adopt that drain near your home because there's lots of drains that need to be adopted. And this means removing the debris in the spring and the fall and before maybe a big rain falls because all of that stuff in the street goes to the river. And when there's leaves and sticks and sand and all that in the in the drain and in the street that actually can clog the, those street drains and flood your streets and also that stuff isn't really great in the river because of um, the chemicals that are coming off of your lawns and off of the decaying matter it can actually kill fish and a lot of times there's there's uh, trash and rubbish and like cigarette butts in those drains and that in the street and all of that goes to the river and just think about all the fish and turtles and birds that use that as a, a national flyway and the St. Croix River is like this major river artery mm -hmm. in the United States and all of that trash that you put in the street goes to that and yeah. those animals are being you know killed because mm -hmm. of that so it's very important to clean your storm drains and that's why we are all about adopting your storm drain. Who cleaned the storm drains before that? No one. <laughs> they, I mean, honestly, like, was it just someone from the city maybe comes along and, and empties it out if it got really clogged up? Or how did how did this work before? You know, it kind of just got clogged up. They have street cleaners now, but that only started not that long ago. I think it only started 10 years ago. Wendy, do mm -hmm. you know when the street cleaners started 
street cleaning, but they don't do it all the time. They only do it in the spring, which they should do it more. But (laughs) they don't get to the gutter is Mm -hmm. the thing. The street cleaners are great. They Mm -hmm. clean the street, but they don't get close enough to the grate to Mm -hmm. actually clean out the storm drain. Got it. Which is the problem. (laughs) Got it. Mm -hmm. So that's one of 10 that the Natural Resource Group is working on, or one of about 10, I suppose. Another one is the uh, cigarette disposal units that you can see all over the poles and the the fences and things like that downtown. We've had a group of volunteers who go and clean them out. The merchants also clean them out. They adopt a cigarette disposal unit. Mm -hmm. We originally got them on a grant. This This is about two years ago now. Cigarette butts are particularly awful. Because when they wash into the river, they can be picked up by birds. Uh, Birds have been known to feed the filter part of cigarette butts to their babies. Mm. They think they're food. It's awful, um, that kind of plastic in the environment. So what we did is we set up these boxes and we're hoping that especially the tourists who come in will be using them and you know, this is all part of our attempt to make downtown Stillwater cleaner, more environmentally sound. So whatever projects are coming up, you know, we would like to be able to hear about them and get volunteers to go out and solve these problems that are happening downtown in conjunction with the city. Mm-hmm. The city has been very cooperative. We really appreciate now actually having a place at the table, essentially, to talk to city councilors and the uh, community development director on a regular basis. And they're interested in our projects and they will do what they can to help us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It seems like the organization has grown very, very quickly considering it started in, did you say, you said 2018 from that high school group, right? 2013. Okay. I was going to say, this is a rapid growth. (laughs) And it became a nonprofit in 2019. Okay. March of 2019, which is why we're having a birthday, a three-year birthday party at the end of April on Earth this year because we're celebrating. And so looking at the website right now, we've got some other things that I want to talk about. The bicycle-friendly community. Tell me about that one and how that has developed over the years. The Bike to School Day was, I believe, the first project. Mm-hmm. That was done about two years ago. Since then, the focus has expanded to include making the city more bicycle friendly for tourists. Mm. The opening of the Browns Creek Trail gave us a great opportunity to talk to the city with more projects in mind mm-hmm. to encourage bike tourism throughout the city. Mm-hmm. So Our bike-friendly community team, headed up by uh, Rick Heidick, has succeeded in getting more bike racks put up around the city, and they're continuing to work on making more bike routes, connecting trails, and even using bikes as a form of transportation, not just recreation in the city. So their project is continuing to evolve, as well as back to biking to school. Uh, which uh, is also they're working on this this year. Okay, and we love biking in Stillwater. I was born and raised in Stillwater. We live over in Hudson now, but it's not uncommon for us to throw the bike rack on our 
truck and throw the bikes on and go over to Stillwater just because it's so easy and nice. It's really wonderful to be able to have all these safe paths. We even go uh, on the on the loop, the new loop. I want to say it was last year where I said, all right, Tyler, we're going to go the hard way where we go up the Holton Hill. <laughs> so we did that. But once you get past that hill, it's a really easy ride on the way back. Do you guys do a lot with that St. Croix loop? We haven't done a lot with that, but I do believe that was one of the inspirations to do more bike racks downtown and also to get more signage in for where things are located along the the trails Mm -hmm. and also to apply for the Bicycle Friendly Community Award. So we are a bronze until 2025. Just got that award from the League of American Bicycle. Oh, nice. The city of Stillwater got that award, I should say. Yeah, very nice. Sustainable Stillwater helped the city apply for the award. Okay. And by the way, Katie, Mm -hmm. electric bikes will get you up those hills much better. (laughs) (laughs) They don't build my muscles quite good, though. I'm in it for the bird. <laughs> um, so energy and climate, let's talk about that one. What kind of projects are you working on for that? Well, right now, our biggest project that we decided to do this year is requesting that the city of Stillwater create a climate action plan. Mm. They are working with annual comprehensive plans and decade-long comprehensive plans that are kind of status quo. They don't necessarily take in issues that have to do with climate change, carbon use, etc. So what we're trying to do this year is get them to talk about climate change because we'd like them to factor in the ultimate cost of a changing climate into all the future plans that they are making, which includes not only uh, building projects, and the kinds of materials, the kinds of uh, impervious surfaces that are being installed, the kinds of projects that involve the roads and low-carbon forms of transportation like bikes, Mm -hmm. all of the other factors that will go into creating things like parks, the trees that are more heat-resistant, providing more shade, because we know there will be heat islands downtown and things like this. All these are factors that are affected by climate change. And we would like the city to be taking climate change into account as the most important factor in all the new projects that are that are being made. And just to add on to that, if whoever's listening wants to do something and is for this, what they should do is contact the city council and let them know that they need to act on accepting a climate action plan or approving a climate action plan is maybe how I should say it. That's like the biggest part for any of the citizens and anyone living in the area. That's like the biggest thing that they could do right now is just let the city council know that they need to approve a climate action plan. It sounds like you're in this process of trying to convince the city council that this is important. In December... Uh, of last year, we actually did make an attempt to get the city to resolve to adopt a climate action plan to perhaps hire a consultant in order to determine the groundwork needed 
each each time uh, a city does a climate action plan, and many cities throughout the state have already done climate action plans. Ours is kind of <laughs> lagging, but what they do is they hire a consultant to determine the city's carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Essentially, where are the climate vulnerabilities, especially to things like flooding and and heat and things like that. So. This consultant will then come up with a baseline assessment of where the city is in terms of its opportunities to mitigate future problems and also to reduce its own carbon output. So that's the first thing the city has to do is basically create a snapshot picture of where we are today mm-hmm. and then proceed with, with a plan. So the first thing that we want them to do is create a baseline assessment mm-hmm. that may involve getting a consultant involved. Uh, Pale Blue Dot LLC is one of many consultants that do this. And Ted Redmond was very good about coming to the city council actually last December and talking about it. So we supported that city at that time, though, declined. Uh, they said that they had too much on their plate. And they would reconsider it starting around April and May. So we're right now at the point where we'll be reintroducing this conversation and seeing where the city is. They will have a July planning session. Mm -hmm. All the department heads get together and they kind of come up with with a plan for the budget. The budget itself isn't passed until December. Yeah, yeah. So if they do fund this, it would probably not get funded until January of next year. We have high hopes by working with Tim Gladhill right now, who is the community development director, and we have good relationship with him. So we understand what he's up against. There's a lot on his plate. He's just hired. So our job is to help the city as much as we possibly can to do the groundwork, to get the right people to make suggestions. Yeah. And but just gently nudge. We're working on it. You know, yeah. we realize that we have to have a little bit more patience, even while climate change isn't waiting for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have to have just a little bit more patience with the human process that goes on at, at the city level and all the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. So our biggest challenge is is having that patience. We're going to pause here. Stay tuned for next week where the conversation continues with Wendy and Kelsey and we talk about the Green Business Directory, which is one of those projects that came out of Sustainable Stillwater. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the podcast. That's one of those small ways that you can help support the podcast and help others to find it. Make sure you're also visiting getoutandtry.com often, keeping you connected to the calendar of fun and happenings in the St. Croix Valley area. Until next time, find some ways to connect with your community. Support those hardworking small businesses that host all the fun in the valley. Go, get out and try.